Good morning. It is good to see all of you this morning. And I'm glad that I can be back with you. It's good to be back in the pulpit. I uh, enjoyed a, a good weekend off. Um, but I am glad to be back up here and able to preach God's Word to you. Today we get back to our series. We left off here a couple of weeks ago, Overcoming Life's Challenges. And we have studied through seven lessons. One of those uh, became a two-part lesson. And so now we get back to what we have been studying. And today's lesson kind of rounds up some of the things that we have been discussing. I don't plan this to be the end of the series. I think we've got another, at least another two or three lessons left. Um, but in light of what we have already talked about, I felt like this was a good place for this lesson. Our study has led us through the challenges of the lives that we live on earth. And maybe not just the challenges that we deal with personally. Uh, maybe these are, are more so the challenges of others and, and maybe how we can help them through their challenges. But they are challenges nonetheless and challenges that we should all recognize. Challenges such as doubt and fear and unbelief. We, we've also discussed challenges such as temptations. Temptations such as riches, the temptation of pleasure, and, and how those may, may hinder our lives. Uh, the challenges of depression and illness and challenges of limitations and disabilities. We've looked at, at many different challenges, things that, that, that pose maybe a problem for us in this life. And though no Christian wants to face such challenges, the way that they are faced can be inspirational to others. Overcoming such challenges to, to go on to live faithful and godly lives prepares us for eternity and our heavenly reward. Today we are looking beyond these challenges. We're looking beyond the challenges that, that we often face in this life. And in doing so we can see our eternal home. And seeing what lies ahead of us encourages us to continue fighting the forces that would discourage us encouraging us to overcome them. To overcome these challenges and to remain faithful Christians. We know that looking beyond this life, that heaven will surely be worth it all. As we look beyond this life, we're going to spend this morning 
talking about the reward that awaits us. Talking about heaven and what we know about this wonderful home. And even in the things that we are told about heaven, many things are given to us in more uh, of a vision type standpoint. Uh, more of a, a, a visual way of us to, to understand what heaven is. And, and I, really, I really believe that we, we don't even know the half that has been told to us about heaven. But let's look to the scriptures and let us see what we, we can learn about heaven. We're going to begin by discussing what is in heaven. What is in heaven. One of the, the first things that we realize about heaven is that our treasure is in heaven. As far as Christianity is concerned, our treasure, our treasure is placed in heaven. In the preschool, I, I know we've, uh, I've seen several of our kids that are obsessed with treasure at times. And uh, I remember my next door teacher, Miss Betty, she had her kids, she just gave them a piece of paper and said, draw a treasure map. And I remember them carrying that to the gym and they were all going around looking for treasure. But even as adults, treasure can be something that we look forward to. It can be something that we look for, that we try to find. And many people try to find treasure in the wrong place. Jesus, in the famed sermon on the mount tells us where our treasure lies. In Matthew chapter 6 and beginning with verse 19, Matthew 6 and beginning with verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. You see, no matter what kind of treasure we may have in this life, it is susceptible to decay, stealing, and destruction. There's not a single thing that we could possess in this life that cannot be taken away from us in a moment. And so Jesus is telling us as Christians, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. But instead, verse 20, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroys. And where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I remember hearing stories of, of people who, who have treasured so much the things of this life. And they've tried 
to take them with them. I remember hearing the story of a man who had a, a nice new Cadillac. And one of his wishes was that when he died, he wanted to be buried in that Cadillac. And from what I understand, at least of the story, is that his wishes came true. They put him in his Cadillac. They had the engine running, had the air conditioner on high. And they lowered him down into the ground with the crane. And they buried him in that Cadillac. If that's the case, I wonder what happened to that Cadillac. I also remember hearing a story of a, of a gentleman who, who possessed great wealth and he told his wife before he died, he said, I want you to place all my money in my casket with me. And she did. She wrote out a check for the grand total of his money and placed it in the, the casket with him. And that's what he was buried with, was his money. There's a, a reason. I've heard that, that you do not see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Because whatever we leave behind in this life, we can't take it with us. And that's exactly what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us, do not treasure the things of this earth so much that you do not place any treasure in eternity. For that's where the true treasure lies because that treasure will last eternity. It won't be taken away from you. It won't be destroyed. It won't be... It won't vanish away. As we have fixed our minds and hearts on this heavenly goal, it will one day be ours to enjoy. But in order to enjoy the treasures of heaven, we must look beyond this life to see them. In Revelation 21 and verse 7, He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But in order to see the greatest treasure of all, we have to look beyond this life. You see, there's so much more that is awaiting us beyond our physical existence today. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. As we, we look at heaven, we, we have probably one of the greatest descriptions of what heaven will be like in Revelation chapter 21. In Revelation chapter 21, we find that in heaven, that all things are created new. You know, there's something about having something new. Now, I don't remember this from my childhood, but I remember hearing of, of, of those, and, and you probably may remember these days more than, than myself. There was a time where, where children, as they were growing older, they wanted to be the oldest because if you're younger, you get hand-me-downs. I, I was the oldest in my family, so I didn't get very many hand-me-downs. But 
again, there's this idea that there's something about having something new. When you go to school, when you start a new year off, you want new things, right? Even as a, an adult at the preschool level, I have a little box of crayons. I've had this box forever. It was made at a VBS. It's, it's made out of wood. It's painted. It has my name on it. And so I carried it to the school. And every year, I replace the crayons in it. I, I start off with brand new crayons. Even I enjoy things like that. There's something about having something new. And in heaven, we find that everything is new. Revelation 21 and verse 1. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. You see, the things of this life, this world, it, it will be done away with completely. There are those that, that, that hold to this idea that, that somehow that, that the earth is going to be regenerated some way and that we're going to, to live on earth. But the Bible tells us that, that what we know in this life will be passed away. In verse 2, Then I, I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and He will dwell with them, and they shall be His people. God Himself will be with them and be their God. In verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. What we're going to experience in heaven is nothing like what we experience in the sun. We have a, in heaven a new source of, of light and energy. And in regard to Christianity, we read this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And, and, and tied to that verse, let's look at what is, is said of the gospel message. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and beginning with verse 8. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 8. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor, nor of me his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. 
to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. We see here in Scripture light associated with not only the gospel message, but with knowledge and understanding of it. We see this light associated with Jesus Christ, who is the Word. And in eternity, we are told of the light of heaven. In Revelation 21 and verse 23, the city had no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it, the Lamb. The Lamb is its light. Light, life, energy, all of these things are, are associated with Christ. He gives us new life in our existence here. When we obey the gospel, when we repent, when we confess our faith in Christ, and when we are baptized for the remission of our sins, we are raised to walk in the newness of life. And what is the source of that life? It is Christ. You see, without Him, we could not enjoy a new existence. But because He was willing to die for us, we can live in Him. And just as He is the source of our life and the light of our life as Christians in heaven, we find that He is the light of heaven. There's no need for the sun or the moon or any other kind of lights that we would recognize as far as nature is concerned. There's no need for light bulbs. But the Lamb is the source of life. Life and energy. We also find in heaven a new source of nourishment. In Revelation 22, beginning with verse 1, And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, and on either side of the river, was the tree of life, which bore twelve fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. We see that everything in heaven is new. One interesting thing to note about heaven is that only our memories and recollection are borrowed from this life. You'll remember in Luke 16 whenever the rich man went into paradise that he had memory, he had recollection of his brothers. Well, he went to the other side. Lazarus went to paradise and he went to torment. But even in torment, even in that existence beyond the life that we know, he remembered his brother. And he wished for Lazarus to go to them and to tell them, for someone to go to them 
and to warn them about the place that he was in. But he had that recollection. And I believe that, that in eternity that we'll have a similar recollection. In 1 Corinthians 13 and beginning with verse 11, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. There are many things that we do not understand in this life that, that I hope to understand in heaven. And it's all also been said that, that maybe when we get to heaven we'll, we'll have no desire to, to have this knowledge of the things that we do not know in this life. But I do believe that there is a perfection of knowledge in heaven. There are things that we may remember from this life and, and I believe that we'll remember each other. I believe that there's a, enough evidence in Scripture to teach us that, that we will know one another. But only those memories and only that recollection will be borrowed from the side. Everything else will be new. New body, a new existence. Everything is new. But in recognizing what is in heaven, I think sometimes even more so of importance to us is what is not in heaven. We, we talked at the beginning of this lesson about, about the challenges that we face in this life. The challenges of this life have been overcome in eternity. The reason that I chose that thing, overcoming, is because we can overcome, and in eternity we will have overcome. In Revelation 21 and verse 4, we read, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. The things that we know in this life that bring us sorrow and sadness, fear, those things will have passed away. One of the hardest things in this life is to lose a loved one. And there are many who, who even fear what is beyond this life. They fear death. But there is no more death in heaven. No reason for, for sorrow or crying. And no more pain. The aches and, and pains that we deal with in this life they're all gone. They passed away. We're given a new body. 
which will not decay. We also find that as we look at heaven, that there is no more sin, no more night, and no curse. Revelation 22, verses 3 through 5. Revelation 22, beginning with verse 3. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. They shall see His face, and His name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light. And they shall reign forever and ever. These things will be gone. Something else that you won't find in heaven. Revelation 21 and verse 8. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. You see, sin, wickedness, evil, those things will not be in heaven. And those who practice such in this life will also not be in heaven. But for the remainder of our time, I want us to think of who is in heaven. Who is in heaven? We first of all recognize that God is in heaven. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God will be in heaven. We understand that without God, heaven would not be. Hebrews 11 and beginning with verse 9. By faith Abraham dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. In verse 16 of Hebrews 11, But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. We also understand from Scripture that Jesus promised a part in its preparation. John 14, and beginning with verse 1, John 14 and verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. 
I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. This is not just any place. And it's not something that was already in existence, at least not in a complete sense. What, what we are looking forward to is a place that is being prepared for us. It is a prepared place, but only for a prepared people. Jesus also, in speaking to His disciples and in preparing them for His departure, He tells them the way in which we reach this wonderful place. Beginning with verse 4 of John 14. And where I go you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him in verse 5, Lord, we do not know where you are going, and, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And anywhere that we might go, we have to have a knowledge of how to get there. Or at least in how to use a GPS. And as far as heaven is concerned, if we are going to reach that heavenly goal, we have to know how to get there. And Jesus tells us, the only way that you're going to reach this place is through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And he goes on to tell us that we come to know the Father through Him as well. Verse 7 of John 14. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know Him and have seen Him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long? And yet you have not known me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father? And the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. But we come to a knowledge of, of God through Christ. When we come to know Him, we come to know the Father. The only way for us to get to the Father is through Jesus, who's promised involvement in the preparation of heaven. It is also good for us to recognize who else will be in heaven. Turn with me for a moment to Hebrews 12 and beginning with verse 22. Hebrews 12 and beginning with verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, 
to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. One of the things that we find here uh, as far as who is going to be in heaven, we find an innumerable company of angels will be in heaven. I'm reminded of, of what we have recently studied in Revelation 15 and beginning with verse 2. Revelation 15 verses 2 through 4. Now I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire and those who have vic the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints, who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name. For you alone are holy. For all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. Not only do we find an innumerable company of angels in heaven, but we also find that those who are members of His church will be in heaven. Those of us who have remained faithful throughout our time on earth will be there. Of Jesus it is said in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 8 and 9 Though he was a son yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered and having been perfected he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Salvation is available to those who obey Him. How do we obey Him? Mark 16 and verse 16. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. That's what the Bible says. He who believes and, and is obedient in baptism will be saved. Salvation comes after the mention of both belief and baptism. And the same is the case in Acts 2 and verse 38. But he who does not believe, if one does not believe, he's also not going to obey. If we do not believe it's impossible for us to please God. Hebrews 11 and verse 6. And he who does not believe will be condemned. But salvation is available to those who are willing to obey. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love, Jesus set the example 
in keeping His Father's commands, we do the same thing. Now, how do we know the commands of God? Through His Word. Through an understanding, through a knowledge of His Word. And when we obey His Word, when we do those things that we find in Scripture and only those things that we find in Scripture, salvation is available to us because Jesus is the author of it. He has offered it to us through the offering of His blood on a cross for our sins. We mentioned before that God is in heaven. God, the judge of all. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. In the day of judgment, we find in Matthew 25, and beginning with verse 31, Matthew 25 and verse 31, when the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on His right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, verse 37, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these my brethren, you did it to me. Verse 41, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angel. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not take me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them saying, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. God is the judge. And we will be judged based on the deeds of this law. Based on our kindness, love, and compassion. Especially to those of our brethren, but to others as well. We will be judged based on our deeds. And we see that those who are faithful... Those who are found faithful will be parted from the wicked of the world. 
and will be rewarded with eternal life. That's what we are seeking. That's what we want. We are seeking eternal life. But in order to be found faithful, we must live the way that God wants us to live. But again, we are separated. We are separated from those who have lived wickedly. These will go away into everlasting punishment. A, a place that we do not want to see. That is their reward. But the righteous into eternal life. I want to inherit eternal life. And if I'm going to inherit eternal life, then I must... I must see with the vision of God to some degree. And I have to look beyond what I see in this life. It's, there's more to what we know than what we see here and now. But we have to see beyond this life to see our reward so that we can be encouraged to overcome the challenges that we face. Can you see it? Can you see heaven as your reward? Or, or otherwise, maybe you see a different eternity waiting you. If you need to obey the gospel, then, then certainly we would give you that opportunity. But if you've not been faithful, if you need to come back, if you need to repurpose and rededicate your life to Him, if you need to ask for prayers or for forgiveness for something that you've done, if there is some way that we can assist you, we want you to come. As together we stand and as we stand.